So, I'm a nerd. Cat's out of the bag. I'm also a sucker for a good, classic, uh, good and evil story. Star Wars, Jedi versus the Sith. Or Marvel, Avengers versus Thanos. Or tennis, Roger Federer versus, well, anyone. <laughs> See, I told you I was a nerd. But I have an extra soft spot for the Lord of the Rings. And in that story, Frodo is a naive hobbit who doesn't have the experience or mind for all the big things in the world, but is sucked into fighting for the survival of all creation. And in a show of incredible grace, he somewhat unwittingly signs up to take the one ring on the necessary journey to destruction. Spoiler alert here. I assume you've all uh, had plenty of opportunities to read the book or see the movie. So when Frodo makes it all the way to the final step, literally inches away from accomplishing his goal, his heart's desires win over, and he keeps the ring for himself. I believe this is similar to my own life, and I have a sneaking suspicion yours as well. I start most days full of vim and vigor with the best of intentions to do good, to live missionally, to take every thought captive, to love my wife well, to use my time wisely. I not only believe that I can will myself to do good, but I also believe I can convince everybody else around me that I am okay. I can put on a face. I can convey my own goodness. And yet, after an arduous journey through the day, just like Frodo, my internal fortitude is tested. Always at the end. And it's exhausting to try to perform under my own power and in my own strength. My own heart can't bear the weight of trying to be good or even wanting to be good. Something else is needed. So from here, we have a few options. We can take the uh, delusional, optimistic path and believe, oh, tomorrow is going to be a better day. Or if I just try a little bit harder. Or as soon as X happens in my life, I'll be able to do it. Or we can take the cynical, pessimistic path, accepting that despite all of our best intentions, that we'll always fail. So why continue to try and we can sink into a dark world of isolation and self-criticism, being a victim. Or there is a third way. We can look outside of ourselves to a rescuer, to Jesus, one who can save us from ourselves, who can change us. And I propose to you today that Jesus is the only one who can produce true heart change. So we're going to continue on in Luke on the Sermon on the Plain. You know, the last couple weeks, right, Brad has, has talked about judgment. Joshua talked about loving your enemies. And now today we're going to implicate the very core of our beings. And our text is Luke 6, uh, 43 to 45. We're going to read it here. No good tree 
bears bad fruit, nor does a bad tree bear good fruit. Each tree is recognized by its own fruit. People do not pick figs from thorn bushes or grapes from briars. A good man brings good things out of the good stored up in his heart, and an evil man brings evil things out of the evil stored up in his heart. For the mouth speaks what the heart is full of. This is God's word. As we approach this text today, first, let's unpack what it actually says. Jesus is articulating an uncomfortable truth here about the human existence. Very clearly said, the bad attitudes or sinful thoughts or cruel words that happen in our lives, they're produced by a bad heart. And conversely, any good words, any hopeful attitudes or loving actions are brought forth by a good heart. The last sentence of the passage, it states again, out of the, the mouth speaks what the heart is full of. According to Jesus here, we can all know the state of our hearts by looking at what is coming out of our mouths. We often say, when caught hurting someone's feelings, oh, I didn't mean to say that. Or, oh, that's not really what I meant. Or, oh, those words aren't true. They just slipped out. But here, Jesus has an entirely different standard. He is clearly saying all those excuses are patently false. He is saying, no, what comes out of your mouth is exactly what is in your heart. This is serious stuff. Jesus is taking aim at the core of who we are. We are our heart, plain and simple. In our fairly urban jungle here in L.A., we can be a bit removed from the agrarian society of Jesus' day. Uh, But I want you to paint a visual picture here. Think of a, a backyard garden. Brad Watson's comes to mind. Or if you've ever driven up the grapevine, up the five, through Central Valley, uh, an orchard, tons of orchards up there. Even if you don't possess a green thumb, or personally planted or harvested fruit from a tree, I think you can still quite quickly determine the type of fruit or vegetable that a tree is producing. It's not because you're an expert botanist, it's because the fruit is apparent. The plant cannot fool anyone about what it is producing. Even if you take a very specific example of like an immature fruit of a citrus tree before it's turned to color, you could taste it and you would quickly become aware of what it is, whether it was incredibly sour or just mildly so. The point is this. A plant cannot create a different fruit out of itself than what it was made to produce. Just as people cannot change themselves, their very core, their hearts, through sheer desire or intellectual fortitude, we produce what is in our hearts. We are our hearts. So, all this now begs the question, what is the state of your heart? So I want us to take a moment here. Bear with me. Close your eyes for a second. Think about the last few days of your week. What fruit are you producing in your life? 
What comes to your mind? Good fruit? Bad fruit? A mix of both? You may think about how you treated your kids trying to get here this morning. Guilty? Or how you responded sharply to a coworker this past week. Or you may think about the way you cared so well for your spouse during a difficult situation last night. Or how you lovingly served your neighbor yesterday. If you're like me, I'm guessing you experienced a lot both of both types of fruit, good and bad. I know I do. And what do we do with this mixed fruit? This reveals an incredible tension in this passage. Essentially, Jesus is asserting here that we are all bad trees because we all produce bad fruit. What do we do with this point-blank challenge? If you're like me, your heart screams in defense and needs to give a response. We stammer, but, but I do do good. Sometimes. Your inner being wants to fight back and puff up and affirm the good that does come out of you. So how do we handle this? How do we handle the fact that both good and bad fruit is displayed in us? This is a profound challenge. Is this passage primarily talking about our need of salvation? Or is Jesus addressing the journey of continued transformation into his own likeness, the process we call sanctification? That is one of the tensions we're going to continue to wrestle with together this morning. But let me be clear at this point. If we believe Jesus at his word, then our hearts are the issue. And a foundational change needs to happen in our hearts for true change to occur. And if we have any hope of producing good fruit in this life, transformation is needed. Recreation is needed. And you cannot do this for yourself. Because as we just talked through, we realize no one is purely good. And the Bible affirms this fact in Romans 3, where it says, None is righteous. No, not one. No one understands. No one seeks God. All have turned aside. Together they have become worthless. No one does good. Not even one. So we must be transformed into a new type of tree if we expect to produce good things in our lives. We don't just need something additional to our current state. We need a completely new heart. Our entire outlook and perspective needs to be changed. And the good news of the gospel is that Jesus himself has come to do this. And he has done it. He has made a way for all of us to be made new. He has made a way for the Spirit to dwell within us, and He is the only one that makes our hearts new. What does this new heart look like? At the center, a new heart inherently is turned towards God, fully following the greatest commandments that Jesus Himself set before us meaning that we would love God fully with all of our being. 
said differently, our hearts would be perfectly obedient. This is the example that we have in Jesus and the promise we have in him because of his sacrifice on the cross and his resurrection from the grave. He conquered death so that we could receive new hearts of faith and and hearts of flesh and that the Spirit would dwell in us. This truly is earth-shattering, life-altering, turn-everything-upside-down type of news. A new heart allows us to act differently because our heart is now bent towards God instead of ourselves. And that allows us to fulfill the greatest commandments, to love God and to love one another. So let's revisit this orchard picture that was set up earlier. For those of you that have been to my house, I have a lemon tree in my backyard that is not bearing any fruit. It's a bad tree. It's not performing its function at all. So much so we've co-opted it and it is now hanging lights because it can't produce any fruit. And so now if this fruit tree is not bearing fruit, I have a few options. You know, I can adjust how I water it. I can alter the type of fertilizer. I can see if the soil needs some help. I can even prune it. Well, let me tell you, I've done all these things and still no fruit, nothing. It looks dead. It's terrible. But this tree in my yard, it needs to be completely remade. It needs to be replanted to have new life. This is just like Jesus in our lives. We can try to tinker with our situation and our circumstances. We can try new habits. We can adjust our schedules. But none of them will change the fact that our hearts need to be transformed. Just like my lemon tree, we need a a change from the inside. Another way you can think about this is your phone. You know, I'm 99% confident everybody in this room has a cell phone in their pocket. And I'm sure you've all had a maddening encounter with your phone where it's like it just doesn't do what you want it to do. There could be a bug in the code or some aspect of the app that you're trying to use is corrupted and it's just frustrating. Sometimes you might try to even find a new app to get to do the function that the other one's not doing for you. We just suffer through these bad experiences, hoping one day it'll get better. And indeed, developers do you know, update the code and, and give you updates to apps and, and all this. And, you know, and the intent there is, right, we try to improve the performance. We're like, oh, we'll just live with the bugs and we'll try to get it a little bit better. But no amount of working on fixing the app will do. We need a whole new operating system one that is fully transformed and aligned to the hardware. If we believe that our bodies were designed and created by God, we need his spirit to rewrite our operating system to align with his purposes and mission in the world. We need our hearts to be remade in order to properly function with the design that he has made us for. So where does that leave us? While the truth is powerful and amazing, I think if you are like me, bad fruit comes out all the time. 
literally every single day. What's up with that? If I'm actually a new tree because of Jesus, why does my life seem like such a challenge? So as we return to the text, we see that Jesus is actually telling a parable here that's based on Proverbs 4.23, which states, Above all else, guard your heart, for everything you do flows from it. I submit to you today that one reason, despite having been transformed by the indwelling of the Spirit, that we still struggle with sin is because we do not guard our hearts. This word guard here is the same word for keep, which literally means set a watchman over. Based on our discussion so far this morning, do you think it would be particularly helpful if I was the primary watchman over my own heart? Certainly not. We've already seen that I don't produce any good things on my own. Bad fruit continues to come out of me, just like what we saw in Frodo, that despite his best intentions, bad fruit was produced at the end. So if I can't be trusted to watch my own heart, what now? Where do I turn? If I can't do it myself, I don't think I'm going to ask somebody else to do it either. I see the same sin and challenges throughout all of my life. Well, God has good news for us again. He tells us in Deuteronomy uh, chapter 30, verse 6, that he himself will promise to do it. The Lord your God will circumcise your hearts and the hearts of your descendants so that you may love him with all your heart and with all your soul, and live. These words that were spoken to the Israelites millennia ago finds total fulfillment in Christ. Because of Jesus' life, death, and resurrection, God has now sent the Spirit to dwell in us, to perform this work of renewal in our hearts. Because of this, we can fully surrender our hearts to Jesus, allow Him to be the Master, What good news! Not only did Jesus make a way for us to have a transformed heart, but he's actually faithful to be our guardian and do the work in us. Yet, as we surrender our hearts to him, this does not mean we are passive observers. We have to actively engage in our relationship with him. God has given us agency in this life, meaning we still have choices to make. But now, with a new heart given by Jesus and a faithful guardian as our helper, we can be confident that we can walk in faith. And we're going to walk through this with a, with a practical example. This exercise is called Fruit to Root Repentance. You may have heard of it before. Um, and we're going to walk through it up here on the screen. And so really, uh, there's, there's kind of three trees in this model. There's a, there's a bad fruit tree, and there's a good fruit tree, and there's the cross in the middle. And so we're going to start with the bad fruit. And if your life is exhibiting fruit like anxiety, control, fear, 
That is the, represented as bad fruit on the tree. But as we've talked about this morning, right, that is representative of something much deeper going on in our hearts. So let's walk through a specific example from my own life. Uh, control is something that I struggle with deeply. I desire uh, to be in control. I want to control my destiny. I want to be in control of outcomes. I want to really exercise knowing what's going to happen. But I realize these emotions, these thoughts that stem from this, are not from God. And this, this negative, uh, this, this bad fruit really has deeper consequences. So to investigate this for myself, we can ask these three questions. Who am I in light of what I'm experiencing? So to make it personal for me, I'm believing that I actually am in control, that I am omnipotent, and I have the power to change the events in my life. I think that I actually can, you know, put everything in order to happen exactly as I want it. I know it sounds pretty wild and narcissistic. But then we continue to go deeper and say, what do I believe about God in light of that? So when I think I'm wielding the power, I believe God doesn't have the power. So I'm taking it from him. I say he obviously doesn't want my life to go well. He must be busy. So let me take over. And lastly, we ask ourselves, what do I believe God is like? So in my example, I believe that God is unloving and unavailable to see me, to attend to my life. I believe he is absent. Ah, there it is. I've said it. The true root, the true heart of my bad fruit shows me that I haven't surrendered my heart fully to Jesus. My heart is choosing to believe a lie. Again, the fruit looks bad on the outside, and others can see that, but the root issue in my heart is the true cause. I'm keeping back a piece of myself because I want to be in control and believe God is absent and has abandoned me. But... We aren't stuck there, praise God. Now that this root of my unbelief is unearthed, now that I confess this untrue belief about God, the most important part of this entire illustration is the cross. Because of the cross, we have a way to turn to God. Because of the cross, we can bring our sin fully before him because he has paid for it with his blood With new transformed hearts in Christ, his spirit empowers us to turn, which is what repentance actually means. We can turn this confession of sin to a confession of faith. This is truly at the center of what biblical change looks like in our lives. And so because of the cross, I now reverse the questions in order to proclaim the truth about God. So again, I ask, who is God? And now I can confess the the truth of that. God is loving. 
as it says in 1 John. God is ever-present, as Psalm 46 reminds us. God is actually in control, as Ephesians 1 tells us. These passages actually reveal the truth about God, and I can proclaim them in faith. And moving along on our questions here, then I ask, in light of who God is, what has God done? God has proven himself to me and has proven his love by sending Jesus to to die and to rise again, to give me new life, to tear down the, the veil, the wall that separated us, to give me access to God. God showed himself in control even when all hope seemed lost. And now he is ever present in my life by his spirit who dwells in me. And the last question, who am I in light of all this? I'm loved by the Father. I am not alone. He has not abandoned me. And so as we can grow in confessing this truth and turning from this confession of sin, and we live in light of these truths about who God is, good fruit comes out. And scripture tells us what this good fruit looks like in Galatians 5, and 23. The fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. So church, I hope that you see through this exercise how important our heart is to the life of faith. When bad fruit is prevalent in our lives, it truly is a heart issue. Romans 10.10 tells us, for with the heart one believes and is justified, and with the mouth one confesses and is saved. And today, I hope you know that God can and will change us. I asked whether this passage was about salvation or sanctification. Is Jesus telling us that our hearts can only be changed by him? Yes. Or is Jesus telling us that even with transformed hearts, bad fruit abounds? Also, yes. The message is the same. We are needy. We need Jesus. As we have heard today, we are our hearts. Jesus was right. What comes out of us is truly the product of what is inside of us. So I want to beseech you today that if you have never trusted Jesus with all of your life, if you've never surrendered your will to him as Savior and Redeemer, this life we have talked about today can be yours through faith in his work. And for those of us that have come to salvation in Christ, I exhort you to the same truth. While we have inherently been made into new trees, we desperately need him. We have not yet been transplanted out of the brokenness of the world, and we still fall. May we ever turn to him 
the only faithful one to continue to transform us. For the scriptures promise us this in Ezekiel 11, where God tells us, I will give them one heart and a new spirit I will put within them. I will remove the heart of stone from their flesh and give them a heart of flesh that they may walk in my statutes and keep my rules and obey them. And they shall be my people and I will be their God. What good news that because of Jesus, our hearts can be made new. We can have right relationship with God and he will be that for us. Our God. Amen. So in light of this this morning, we're going to enter a time of response. You know, our huge part of our service and being a part of the body here is that we don't just sit, we're not passive. Now is the time to respond. And so if you have that faith in Jesus, I'm going to invite you to come to the table, to take the cup and the juice, to confess your neediness of Jesus to him and to those around you. This is also a time we get to respond with our gifts uh, through giving. Right? We bring all of ourselves to Jesus. And so Katie will uh, play some songs, but again, you can come up, take the bread and the juice. There's two here. Come with the people you, you came with, with your missional community. Uh, gather in small groups and again, confess your need of Jesus. Father, I thank you for, for who you are, what you have done uh, through Jesus in our hearts, that you have made a way for us to be made new uh, through your love. May we celebrate and remember your goodness now.